Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Summer Financial Services podcast series by Ben Bird. I'm Simi Kagram, a trainee currently sitting with the commercial team in our London office. I'm here to introduce today's speaker. Today's speaker is Dr. Saskia King. Saskia recently joined our competition and EU law team in London as a legal director. Before joining Bird and Bird, Saskia worked as a competition lawyer at the Payment Systems Regulator and the Competition and Markets Authority. So her insights and experience into antitrust enforcement, policy and regulatory practices are especially useful for clients facing the authorities. Saskia led PSR's first competition investigation in the payment space. Her practice, therefore, has a particular focus on enforcement and the application of competition rules to regulated sectors, such as the payment system sector, as well as the financial and technology markets more widely. She's also taught competition law and policy at the London School of Economics, so some listeners may recognise her from their university days. For those of you who found competition law unapproachable at university, don't switch off now. Saskia will be providing some digestible insights into the interaction between fintech and competition law. Saskia's podcast comes to you in two parts. The first part broadly focuses on collaboration and explains when collaboration may fall foul of anti-competitive legislation. In the second part, she builds on the themes drawn out in other podcasts produced by Ben Bird this summer by taking a closer look at data. She considers the asymmetric impact of PSD2 and the hot topic that is open banking. Without further ado, let me hand over to Saskia. So thank you very much for that introduction, Simi. Very kind of you. Um, As Simi mentioned, I will be briefly talking about just some of the key developments in tech innovation which have influenced the financial sector and raised competition or issues. And so I'm focusing on collaboration and data. And just to note, all the issues discussed apply equally across the EU and UK. So in terms of some background, well, digitalization has, as we know, brought disruption to companies' business models and to market dynamics. In particular, digital banking is fiercely competitive and has led to new and innovative products and services. Tech giants have also entered the space and are providing new services to consumers and leveraging their presence and power in the financial sector. PSD2, or open banking, has essentially opened the market and provided new opportunities and the entry of new players. But tensions exist in that incumbents like to maximise their position in the market, whilst new entrants want to alter the market dynamics. As such, we see established incumbents working with startups to develop and incorporate innovative tech so that incumbents can stay ahead as markets evolve. And this is, of course, all of keen interest to the competition authorities. So useful analogies and competition issues to look out for can also be drawn from developments in the digital and so-called big tech space, such as how firms use and leverage their ecosystems and engage in things like tying and bundling practices and allow access to infrastructure and to their data. And more importantly, understanding how the competition authorities actually approach these issues. Therefore, it's helpful to anticipate and monitor how national competition authorities may apply principles they develop in the tech space to other sectors, such as financial services and payments. And not to put too fine a point on it, nearly every competition authority throughout Europe has tech, 
and financial services on its agenda and radar. Sadly, it's impossible to cover all aspects uh, in this short podcast. So as I said, I'm just going to focus on some of the competition issues raised as a result of collaborations and the role of data. So turning first to collaboration, well, we know there are huge amounts of collaboration in the financial services sector and, of course, involving tech entities, and much collaboration is perfectly legitimate. However, it can also tip into something that may raise competition or issues. And one example is the European Payments Initiative, which involves collaboration between direct competitors. So, for example, many European banks are involved. And of course, the risk here and what the European Commission will be mindful of is anti-competitive collusion as a spillover effect. Uh, As such, it's crucial when entering into any collaboration that you understand where the red lines and the warning signs are so that you can navigate them. Agreements that are more likely to raise competition concerns are those where the parties are competitors and one or more parties has an appreciable or a significant share of the market. And in every collaboration or partnership of key concern and risk will be the prospect of the sharing of commercially sensitive information and therefore for the business to ensure the right parameters are in place to protect against this. And in this regard, I'm sure you're aware that the exchange of strategic information is a serious competition infringement and remains high on the competition authority's agenda. The European Commission has in fact issued several decisions in respect to investment banks, often relating to trader chat rooms, and the FCA has also issued a similar decision. And in addition, there are of course many fora and networks in the financial services sector, which likewise raise competition issues regarding potential information exchange. In fact, the CEO of the CMA recently highlighted the concern of information exchange in this context, specifically referring to the financial sector, say, stating, and I paraphrase, people sitting together means lots of risk, people cross the line and discussions happen that shouldn't. Likewise, using fora such as trade associations to set new standards, which is also a hot topic for tech companies, raises competition issues not least with the risk of spillover into exchanging commercially sensitive information that goes beyond what is necessary for setting the standard. We do, of course, know that the Commission, CMA and FCA support innovation, but the competition concerns that they have are well documented. So, for example, where big tech and fintechs enter the market and look to partner with incumbents, plus where larger incumbent companies look to acquire new innovations and integrate them within their ecosystems, or they partner with innovative tech companies to create new products which become integral to the sector. As such, there are many concerns with these so-called killer acquisitions. Hence, any acquisitions you make will be under more scrutiny than ever. And this has been underlined by the recent consultation launched by the government, the UK government, that is specifically addressing this by proposing to introduce a new threshold based solely on the share of supply or turnover of one party in the UK, which is solely designed to capture killer acquisitions by large players that would otherwise go under the CMA's radar. All the competition authorities recognise that they fell far short of the mark in earlier merger decisions involving big tech and did not think carefully enough about the future competitive situation in their analysis, thereby they allowed mergers basically that should have been blocked or should have had more far-reaching remedies. 
the shifting tougher attitude of the Commission and national competition authorities more generally to merger control is also notable. And post-Brexit, the CMA is more bullish than ever in asserting jurisdiction. Likewise, in the EU, the Commission's new guidance on the Article 22 referral mechanism encourages member states to make use of the option to request the Commission to review transactions that do not meet either the EU or national merger control thresholds. Under the guidance, concentrations suitable for referral include where the target is a startup or recent entrant with low turnover but significant competitive potential, as well as companies that hold competitively sensitive assets such as data and IP rights. What characterises this development in Article 22 is that the value of the targets are very high, whilst there's little turnover, which means that they are below the national and EU thresholds, and the high value itself may trigger the interest of the authorities to take a closer look. Article 22 therefore raises significant issues for businesses in the FS space. And in the UK, the CMA has been asserting jurisdiction over mergers where it is not obvious on their face that there has actually been a change of control. Likewise, the CMA is keen to find that there is an overlap on the share of supply test, in particular in markets involving new or innovative technologies and services related to online commerce. And here the CMA has been establishing jurisdiction even if those technologies or services have not yet been commercialised in the UK or generate comparatively small revenues. An example here is the Sabre Fair Logics deal. Uh, the Competition Appeal Tribunal also recently confirmed the CMA's interpretation of the, share, of the share of supply test, and the CMA therefore has very wide discretion in how it applies it. So overall, the CMA is no stranger to the FS sector. Mergers such as PayPal and Zettel demonstrate the CMA's willingness to account for forward-looking evidence as to how markets may evolve in the future and the state of competition, not just the current state of the market. And this has been encapsulated in the new merger assessment guidelines. So to this end, the CMA is particularly keen on reviewing parties' internal documents to understand the pro-competitive rationale of the merger and what the parties think the impact of it is. Ultimately, what you say in your internal documents, so your board minutes, your presentations, your emails, your strategy papers, actually matters, as the CMA can and will request them. And if what you say in a notification is not supported by what is in your internal documents, then that will be problematic. Turning now to data. So there's been a lot of debate over data in the competition law space. What we do know is that the competition authorities have raised data access, data privacy and their interaction with competition law as key areas of concern following market studies and investigations, which have also shown the significant value of data to companies, particularly to dominant companies. In fact, the Commission describes data as an essential input and this is because research has shown how it enables companies to be competitive and to foreclose their competitors. And currently, a lot of discussion revolves mainly around big tech and how they should be regulated. But the principles raised are also applicable to all data rich sectors, such as the financial sector. And the European Commission has specifically pinpointed the use of data in the financial services market as an area of interest, including volume of data, selection of data and access to it. Likewise, the interplay of the GDPR is a significant issue as the national competition authorities 
have seen how the GDPR can be used to a company's advantage, so acting as a shield, as highlighted in the CMA's market study and the Bundeskartellamt's case against Facebook. So in financial services, consumer data obviously plays a key role, particularly with the advent of PSD2 and open banking. And the competitiveness of financial and payment services firms will increasingly depend on real-time access to big data sets and the ability to use them to develop innovative products. And in retail banking, one of the data-related issues concerns the perceived asymmetry in supervisory and data portability regulations applicable to big tech as compared to the banks. And big tech entry into retail finance may be facilitated by the asymmetric data access conditions that are regulated in the market because banks are obliged under PSD2 to provide access to bank account information. But this access condition does not apply to fintechs and big tech, hence an alleged asymmetry. Though symmetric data access may, however, also create risks as the mandated data access under PSD2 is limited and targeted. So questions on data access need to be addressed on a case-by-case basis, particularly when viewing access issues under the lens of abuse of dominance. So to end, the competition authorities across the UK and EU have the financial services sector firmly in their sights. Collaboration between the various agencies is high, not least the intersection between digital advertising, data protection and competition law has meant that in the UK for sure. For instance, the joining of forces between agencies is being actively pursued. So recently, the UK Digital Regulation Cooperation Forum, which consists of the ICO, the CMA, Ofcom and the FCA, set out in its strategy document how it intends its members to partner up to increase the scope and scale of their cooperation under the forum in its coordination of regulation across digital and online services. And this does, of course, impact financial services. So the crux of all this is that the impact of digitalization on financial services remains high on the competition agenda. Therefore, it's vital to know what's happening in this space and how the authorities are reacting. Thank you for listening. Wow, you packed a lot into that short podcast. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to share that information with our listeners. I know personally I'll be watching the financial services market with renewed interest over the next few years. For so long, the market has been dominated by large high street incumbents. The introduction of fintechs and big tech will shake up the industry. All the old and new players in the industry will have to be mindful of the lines drawn by the competition law authorities. For anyone listening who may have a specific inquiry, please reach out to Saskia. Considering her passion for competition law and financial services, as well as her experience with the regulators, she is well placed to advise clients on every aspect of competition investigations, from inception to closure, including complaints, cartel leniency applications, dawn raids, requests for information, evidence gathering, interviews, settlement, as well as merger filings, sector inquiries, market studies, and compliance more generally. To our audience, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please look out for our next podcast in the summer series about the financial services sector.